Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Andrew, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Got a great night. Sleep last night. Feel good today. Starting off the week strong. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, today we are going to be talking about mystery and how it relates to the Bible. Yes. Is that bad? No, it was good. That was good. Andrew, if you could define mystery. Define mystery? Yes, not in terms of what we would find in Scripture. I want to know, like... What do you think mystery to just, as we're watching a mystery novel, as we're reading a mystery novel, as we're watching a show in mystery, what do you think it's about? I think, um, I think when it comes to books and literature or TV shows and movies, I think it's a, that a mystery concerns a problem that needs to be solved and it needs to be solved through inductive reasoning, uh, further, uh, exploration, uh, pulling threads, following threads to try to get to the end of a matter to unravel uh, a problem that is quite complex. Yeah. Why do you think we love in, mystery well, so much? Let me also oh. add this. Also in okay. uh, books and TV shows and movies, there's an element of suspense Yeah. Uh, to, to keep you moving along with the plot. Mm-hmm. You have to maintain tension and um, tension to keep you interested. Yeah. And, Wanting to see this, wanting to see how certain things play out. Okay. So do you think that's actually, I mean, that was kind of the question I was just asking is why do you think we, why do you think we love mysteries? Why mm-hmm. do you think we love, do, is it just because we like to have something solved? Is it the, is it the same as kind of the end of a song that has a resolution? Mm-hmm. We, we love that, the solved mystery. Mm-hmm. I think many people love it for the sake of, of the journey. And the the sake, I think people like to engage um, in, re, they love to engage their minds and they love to explore clues. They like to solve, there are many people who like to solve problems. And I think that is an appealing aspect. It just appeals to, I think, our human nature mm-hmm. uh, that we want to um, solve issues. We want to solve problems. We want to know why certain things have happened the way that they did. Yeah. Uh, and I think the question of why is a big driver behind why we like mystery and why we like that, because we want to, we're always trying to answer the question of why in all aspects of life, mm-hmm. uh, both in the uh, menial and the metaphysical. We're constantly asking why. Yeah. And one other thing I might comment on is I think what we love as um, either readers or watchers of mystery is I think we love the transformative nature of it, uh, not just the plot, the, mm-hmm. the problem being solved or the mystery being solved, but I think we also love when characters transform through mm-hmm. this uh, through solving a mystery, mm-hmm. right? So a, uh, an example that I think of is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. I just read that book uh, this past October during Halloween. So side note, I don't like anything scary. <laughs> I am not a a thriller seeker, Yeah, especially when it comes to movies. That's but, why you like Lego 
Legos one and two, oh. as opposed to Lego Batman. Oh, you did. You went there. Lego Batman was you too intense there. for you. It was no. It was no. It, scared it was you. not. It did not scare it me. Scared you. I don't like scary movies, and I hold to it, and I'm not afraid of that. Okay, I'm not afraid to tell you that, Andrew. But let's get back here. Um, but in light of Halloween coming up, or when it was happening and stuff, I said, okay, I'm going to completely not watch anything scary. Instead, I'm going to read a mystery kind of thriller novel, little novelette, mm-hmm. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And what I loved about that book was not just the, not just the plot and the writing of it, but what I loved was the transformational nature of the characters that were involved mm-hmm. and how there was this pull of good and evil back and forth and how are those characters going to handle the situation that they're in. So similar to like mm-hmm. Bilbo in The Hobbit, in some mystery kind of moments, that, that whole, that obviously that's not a mystery novel, um, but I think the moment when he's ready to um, confront the dragon, mm-hmm. there's this mystery of how is he going to handle that situation, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a transformative nature that I think we as readers and watchers love about mysteries. So what I want to ask, Andrew, and maybe what we can explore together is why is that definition or the, the enjoyment of mysteries, um, is, there, is there something, are we experiencing that different than the mystery that the Bible gives us, uh, particularly in Ephesians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul does use the word mystery to explain um, essentially the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of grace, and the mystery of how uh, Christ, gospel, grace brings people together um, to reconcile them as, as Jews and Gentiles specifically as co-heirs of all the promises that God made to the people of Israel, saying, now Gentiles in Christ stand with Jews on an equal level. And he describes that as a mystery. Now, I think that's a different kind of mystery than what you and I are talking about, because this is where we have to be cautious in our reading of the Bible, that sometimes we take our understanding of words and phrases and we impose them upon the Bible. um, And we define biblical terms and biblical concepts by contemporary terms and contemporary concepts. And I think when we do that, we misunderstand what the scripture is teaching. And so rather than moving from today to the Bible, we need to move from the Bible to today. And there's a big difference between our understanding of mystery and what Paul is getting after with the use of that term. So what are some ways that we understand mystery today? Well, I think there are, there are, I think there are two basic ways, and I shared this on Sunday, but uh, one of the ways that we understand mystery, and you can chime in to provide nuance if there's more to it, but I think, to put it simply, we believe a mystery is a problem that needs to be solved. I think that applies to, say, mystery genres, mystery uh, uh, literature that falls under that into that genre. I think it also applies to different television shows and movies that that are described as being mysteries. I think all of those stories start with a problem that needs to be solved, and the storyline and the plot follows that course to try to try to bring resolution to a problem. Yeah, so what happens then when we take I mean it sounds dangerous like if we take mm-hmm. that definition of mystery from what mm-hmm. we understand it and we apply that to scripture. It sounds like we're going to miss the mark there and we're going to have some uh problems. 
I think so. I think um, I think it would start like if we were to take that definition and impose it upon Ephesians three, and run with it, then if Paul the definition be, Paul becomes Sherlock Holmes kind of style, <laughs> Paul becomes Sherlock Holmes. Christianity becomes uh, just a, just a bunch something. of investigators, yeah. and detectives rather than worshippers. Basically, to put it simply, that. If we take that definition into our relationship with God and we oppose it upon the scriptures, then God becomes a problem to be solved rather than a person to be served. Mm. And we are, uh, and we can put ourselves above God as, and put him under the microscope or put him under the magnifying glass so that we are analyzing him and we're only engaging him through our deductive reasoning capacities. And I think there is obviously room for us to use our deductive reasoning capacities when we're studying the scriptures and engaging God. But if we understand mystery to be a problem to be solved that depersonalizes God and that depersonalizes uh, the journey of seeking God and pursuing God and engaging in fellowship with God, it really takes the heart out of it. And you don't want to, we don't want to do that. Uh, We never want to view God as a problem to be solved. Uh, He should always be uh, the person we most want to serve and we want to know and we want to love and honor and glorify. and But you can't really do that if you're looking at him with a magnifying glass. And so another thing I might think, when I think about mystery and when we, uh, something maybe we enjoy about mystery is the unknowable uh, within it, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the pursuit of the unknown and trying to solve that unknown, but also kind of resting in that that uh, ambiguous uh, ambiguity. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I certainly think that's another understanding of mystery that we want to avoid when we approach the scriptures and when we approach the God of the Bible. Um, if a mystery is something that cannot be known, uh, then you are denying the reality of revelation and you're denying the clarity of scripture. But I think this is where our culture lives today. I think the hallmark of postmodern spirituality is mystery. I think we love mystery. We love ambiguity because if something is mysterious, if if we've resigned ourselves to think this is unknowable, we cannot know this or that or the other, and we resign ourselves in that direction, then we're going to absolve ourselves of any responsibility to it. Uh, and we will justify a lack of commitment on our part to God or to who God is and what God is like. And we can exempt ourselves uh, from any claim that God may have on our lives because we'll just say, well, God's no, nobody can really know anything um, because spirituality and God and all of that is so mysterious, it's, it's unknowable. Mm, so we almost like the, the unsolvable mystery so the the because we can't solve it we well, like we we would prefer to rest in mm-hmm. the mystery without it being resolved yeah uh, unsolved but i would think just unknowable i think there's unknowable. a general cynicism okay. in our culture as it relates to spiritual things and spiritual realities and we assume that they cannot be known mm-hmm. and i think that ambiguity over time becomes a place of rest and comfort for many people because that type of ambiguity, uh, we, we can see that and absolve ourselves of any responsibility to it. Yeah. So what is, a way, what is one of the ways that that maybe plays out? I think one of the ways it most commonly plays out in postmodern spirituality and when that, when that framework and when that, when that definition is applied to Christianity or it's applied to the Bible, I think it, it takes the form of this 
rationale that says that, well, it assumes that God can't be known. If God is mysterious, and if mystery means unknowable, then God cannot be known. And there's a huge difference between, or when we, when we talk about knowing God, we, we as Christians believe that God is knowable because he reveals himself to us. That's revelation. And in the process of that revelation, we come to an understanding of who he is and what he is like and that he wants to be known by us. But when we talk about knowing God, we're not talking about knowing God exhaustively or comprehensively, which is, I think, one of the indictments of postmodern spirituality upon Christianity. They, they think that God is too mysterious to be known, but they also assume that to know God, you must know God exhaustively or comprehensively. And we as Christians would deny that. We believe you can know God truly, but to know God truly doesn't necessarily mean to know Him exhaustively. There's a lot of things in the scriptures that um, are hidden from us. There are realities in the universe that we are not privy to. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 refers to the hidden things belong to God, but that God has revealed a whole lot to us to feast on and a whole lot to us to respond to. And rather than focusing on the stuff that he that remains hidden, we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the things that he has revealed. And we believe that right now we can know God truly on the basis of what God has revealed, although we humbly acknowledge we do not know and we cannot know God exhaustively or comprehensively. So what uh, then what is um, Paul's definition of mystery? So when Paul uses that term in Ephesians chapter 3, he's not referring to something that is a problem to be solved, and he's not referring to something that is unknowable. He's referring to revelation, and he's referring to the reality of this revelation being too good to be true, that it is something that the human mind could not have conceived of or come up with on its own, that it required God's revelation for it to be realized by human beings to be true. Uh, for example, we, we tend to think about Okay, well, we let's just ask the question, so what does it mean, or how is a person to be saved, or how is a person to be redeemed? If we were answering that question apart from the scriptures and apart from the gospel and apart from grace, almost every person on the planet, I believe, would answer it in terms of law. They would say, okay, well, in order to be saved, you must be a good person. In order to be saved, you must do this. In order to be redeemed, you must do that. And they will put the onus of of saving power upon the human being and how well a human being may execute a certain rule, a certain regulation, a certain religious practice. That's, that's just how we think. But when you come to Paul's understanding of mystery in Ephesians chapter 3, he's referring to the mystery of grace, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, uh, this reality that God has revealed to us that people are saved, redeemed, reconciled, not on the basis of what they do, and how well they do it, but on the basis of what Jesus has done and what how well Jesus has done it. So we're saved by grace. But then the real mystery he's getting after in Ephesians chapter 3 is how that applies to all the peoples in the world. Because uh, I think it's in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6, he says, now this mystery that has been revealed, it means that Gentiles or non-Jewish peoples are now co-heirs with the Jewish people. They are now equal partners and equal players in 
the kingdom of God and in the scheme of God's redemptive agenda. And this speaks to the wisdom of God in revealing himself to us in the way that he has and redeeming us in the way that he has. The wisdom of the gospel is that God has so orchestrated and ordained a means of redemption and a means of salvation that is unbound to any cultural barrier or to any ethnic barrier or to any religious barrier. He's simplified salvation, uh, that it is comes by grace through faith in Jesus, relating to the person that is Jesus and trusting in the work that Jesus has done. He simplified it to a message that we trust and to a message that we believe, uh, which allows that message to cross every culture and to penetrate every ethnic group on the planet. And so we begin to understand now why it's important for us not to impose contemporary definitions upon the ancient texts of Scripture, but allow the terms and phrases and concepts to be understood um, from the writer's perspectives of the Bible, the, the cultural context of the Scripture, and understanding the Bible in the Bible's terms, and then carrying those truths forward and those understandings forward into our Christianity today, rather than the reverse. Because there are huge implications uh, for what, how this understanding of mystery should inform our Christianity today. Yes, and Andrew, can you tell us what what are some of those implications? Well, I think um, first and foremost, it tells us that God's a person to be served, and He's worthy of our worship. He's not a problem to be solved. It puts us beneath God and not above God. I also think that this understanding of mystery uh, reminds us that God is knowable that he wants to be known. And I think if we latch on to mystery as unknowability, then we are going to miss the whole point of our existence. I mean, God created us so that we can know him, so that we can know him truly in intimate fellowship and friendship and union. And if we uh, impose upon the Bible our understanding of mystery today as something that's unknowable, we're going to miss the beauty of Christianity. We're going to miss not just, I mean, yes, it's Christianity, but we're going to miss the beauty of reality, of why we exist. We were created to know God. And uh, then a third implication of this is this understanding of mystery reminds us that we're saved by grace. That, um, and because we're saved by grace, that levels the playing field for everybody on the planet so that all people can come to Jesus. All people can know God through Jesus. So that when we evangelize or we share the gospel with someone, we're not asking them to adopt a certain culture. We're not asking them to adopt some type of uh, expression that is more unique to one particular ethnic cultural group in the world. No, we're just asking them to respond to Jesus. Uh, so that when Paul would go to the Gentiles and he would share the gospel with them, he did not tell them, hey guys, if you want to be saved, you must become Jewish. And then after becoming Jewish, then you can get to Jesus. That wasn't his message. His message was, get to Jesus, come to Jesus. He's come for you. He loves you. He lived, he died, he rose again. Come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Gentiles were responding to. That's great. And that's what we tell people to respond to today. Just yeah. Jesus. That's what we give people. Well, thank you, Andrew. That was very encouraging and clarifying as we better understand uh, mystery as Scripture defines it. Thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. <laughs>